It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, things ain't going so hot for the Raptors at the moment at 13-14 and 14 ahead of tonight's game against the Kings. OG Ananobi's out, Otto Porter Jr. and Precious Achua are out to the new year at least. So we gotta go back to a simpler time. On today's show, Katie Heidel joins me as we look back at the summer and what our predictions would have been for various members of the Raptors and whether what they've done so far this year would have made us happy back in the summer. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1301 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean, so go follow there. You can also follow the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can subscribe to follow, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all the whole nine yards are over there. Also, YouTube, hit the big red subscribe button, support the show there as we push to towards 3,000 subs. Uh, thanks to everyone who's done it. Thanks to those who plan to do so in advance. And if you haven't yet, uh, what the hell, man? This is a free podcast. We don't ask much. All right. <laughs> on today's show, we continue uh, Despair Week here on the podcast as the Raptors have a very unfortunate couple days off on the heels of two losses to the Magic. And we are now, you know, about uh, at the time of recording, nine hours away from the Raptors finally playing another game against the Kings, like the Beam, etc. <laughs> Things could get weird if they lose tonight as well, I would, I would guess. Things have already gotten weird this week. People are angsty. People want answers. People want blood. We're not really going to d- go that route on today's show, I don't think. We're going to try to go for a little bit more of an optimistic tone, and we are going to do that with our pal Katie Heindel from Dime Basketball Feelings. Katie, how the hell are you? I'm good, man, but I have to say, um, I was like, man, your brain is broken because the first thing I thought of this morning, like as I was waking up was, I hope someone told whoever does the lights at the CN Tower on game days not to light it purple because if they mm-hmm. lose to the Kings, then the Kings social media can just be like, they lit the beam for us. In <laughs> they built a beam. They built a beam and they lit it. 
<laughs> uh, I, I mean, that would be kind of fun, honestly. I, I would I, love the, it. The beam should take over the world. Everyone, the kings are America, North America's team. How about that? Uh, you know, if you're a disenchanted Raptors fan right now, hop on the Kings bandwagon. <laughs> Kevin Herter's cool. Uh, Davion Mitchell plays defense the way you wish any Raptors guard would. It's wonderful. Oh, right. Katie, we uh, had a little chat earlier this week. So a little peek behind the curtain as to the process behind concocting this here episode <laughs> i got my wedding pictures back from the end of july uh just this week it was uh, very very exciting and i sent you a couple that you were involved in because you were of course there there is a great uh locked on raptors fam photo with myself uh you and vivek and uh your significant others it's lovely um so when I sent you those pictures, you instantly went into, man, I wish it was summer. <laughs> and contrary to what my sort of take has typically been on summer, I've been summer-pilled, Katie. Those wedding pictures made me feel good. The weather outside is miserable. I don't like it very much. I can't go skiing yet because there's not snow and it's not cold enough. And so I'm just kind of sitting here in this seasonally affected state, wishing it were the summer. And that also applies to the Toronto Raptors, who I think in the summer were full of excitement and joy and Rico Hines footage. Everyone was all on the wagon, and it seems as though the wagon's been a little bit rickety over the last couple weeks here. So, Katie, the concept for today's show, we're going to go back and look at our off-season prognostications for a few different members of the Raptors, what our feelings were back in August, you know, July, other summer months. Uh... <laughs> Are there other summer months? I guess those are the two main ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either way, we're going to go back and look at what we thought about various guys. And we're going to ask the question, if I had told you in the summer that X player was going to do whatever X player has done so far, would it be happy or sad? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a loose concept, but it'll work. Uh, Katie, let, are you ready to dive on in? <laughs> yes, I am. Excellent. All right. Let's start with Pascal Siakam, shall we? Who, of course, in the summer, everyone knew it was his first actual summer of working out uh, for a very long time with the COVID and the injuries and the shoulder rehab and all this stuff. It was, uh, you know, the first time he's gotten to go back into the lab, as it were, in quite some time. And I think there was optimism about Pascal coming into the year. I think there was a lot of sort of suggestions that he was going to have a career season, both internally and externally. And that has certainly come to fruition. 25 a game, nearly nine boards, seven assists. He's got uh, a pretty efficient, near 58% true shooting. Uh, he has been the best player on the Raptors by a pretty significant margin. Even with missing some time, the Raptors outscore the other team by a whole lot when he's on the floor. They get waxed when he's off the floor. He's doing superstar stuff. Katie, <laughs> if I told you in the summer that Pascal Siakam was going to play like he has so far, this year would you have been happy or sad what would your reaction have been imagine i said sad no yeah. I would be not good enough <laughs> Man. I, yeah i think um he has probably ex oh, yeah he's probably ex i mean our expectations when you and i ever talked about it were pretty loose it was just like i think he's probably going to have his best season yet mm -hmm. in his mm -hmm. career which he is mm -hmm. um and has been so i guess we were we technically called it but I wouldn't give my credit for like give myself credit rather for any of the specifics. Um, mm -hmm. But man, yeah, I was stoked about it, and I st I still am. Yeah, I mean, this one I think is the easiest one to dig into. It's pretty awesome that Siakam has become a top ten player in the NBA, pretty much without question or doubt. He is incredible. 
He's walking into his numbers every night. The playmaking has been insane. When he's on the floor, the Raptors' half-court offense doesn't actively suck. He is doing a lot of really great things to uh, help prop up this team. And it was clearly very felt when he wasn't in the lineup and the way things kind of deteriorated when he wasn't there. They won games while he was out, but it wasn't pretty. They had to kind of scrape by and do it ugly. And yeah, hes I think he's the easy one. You're thrilled with what Pascal Siakam has done. And if you are you know, whatever it might be, concerned, questioning the vision, looking at a, you know, a partial sort of re, re rejiggering of the roster, whatever, I think you can feel at least pretty good that the big picture question, do the Raptors have a superstar, is answered. They do. That is a really great place to start from. And no matter your opinions on the rest of the guys we're going to talk about today, I think the fact that Pascal is as good as he is makes it so none of this is as bad as it feels right now. They're only 13 and 14. They're like two games out of the two seeds. So it's not bad anyway, really, in the grand scheme to begin with. But if you are the type of person who's questioning the validity of this team and <laughs> the, the viability going forward, knowing that Pascal is there, it's pretty darn comforting and, and should be comforting to you. Katie, anything else to add on Pascal before we move to other guys who may have disappointed a little bit more? I think the only thing um, that I maybe didn't, we didn't, because mm -hmm. we're talking about summer predictions. I yeah. perhaps did not think he would be getting the kind of league-wide credit and recognition that he is, just because sure. that's kind of something that's historically been um, lacking Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Raptors uh, players. So that's been a nice surprise. Yeah, I'd be really fascinated to see like how he does in all-star voting. I would imagine he's going to make the team because mm -hmm. he's one of the 10 best players alive right now. But, uh, you know, he's been voted a starter before. I wonder if the same sort of fervor will be behind him, even if the team is not exactly performing super well. Uh, it should be. He's awesome. He should be an Eastern Conference starter. <laughs> I don't think there's really any debate about that. Uh Let's continue on here, Katie. Quickly go to another guy who's been very impressive. Have I asked you in the summer, you know, do you think OG Ananobi is going to have a good season? What do you think OG is going to do? If I had told you he was going to average 19 to go along with six boards, two assists, a league-leading 2.4 steals a game, and until just this week was going to remain healthy, you would have been pretty stoked, huh? I would have been. And again, mm -hmm. like not the specifics, but the drama I was banging on nonstop was the need for OG and Anobi to have a not disrupted season to mm -hmm. finally get this sort of runway to do the things that he's doing that his teammates got to do, you know, in seasons prior and OG never did, but that I really knew was in there like deep down. Mm -hmm. So I also think I said, I wanted to see a reemergence of the sneaky, stealthy OG, and we have mm -hmm. seen it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of like forced turnovers and steals and everything and just like being a defensive menace. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. I'd say like two for two Nostradamus Katie. <laughs> Summer Nostradamus Katie. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'll also like take the W on this one as well. If you look, think back to our preseason over under spectacular with Vivek Jacob and Sahal Abdi, I went full in on an OG breakout when it came to my picks. I picked the over on his points. I picked him to lead the team in steals. I picked him to lead the team in dunks, all of which are happening right now. And I think, yeah, had you told me he was going to do this, I don't think I would have been shocked because I did feel like some sort of breakout 
it was coming. I don't think I saw it to this extent. I don't think I saw him like legitimately being a very viable defensive player of the year candidate that is getting national attention for mm -hmm. that very thing. Um, so it's been a little bit even more impressive than I expected. And I was pretty high on OG's stock coming into the year. Um, so again, we'll st we're on a positive note to begin. Pascal and OG, the two best players on the team right now, have surpassed expectations. That's a pretty good thing to hang your hat on if you are a despair-ridden Raptors fan right now. There's, you know, other stuff we're going to get to in a sec here that's maybe not so rosy. But big picture, uh, the guys who really matter the most have been fantastic. And that is very, very Good. We're going to come back on the other side, Katie, get into Scotty Barnes, who I think is a little bit more of an interesting conundrum with this one. And Fred Van Vliet, I want to talk about Nick Nurse and sort of the way the team has been coached as well, because everyone wants to talk about Nick, 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 Nick. Ah, I had a stroke right there. Everyone wants to talk about Nick Nurse right now. Uh, we'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however... Got to tell you about our dear friends over at Turo, a brand new sponsor with us. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any, any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and coming soon to Australia as well. In the summer, I went on my honeymoon with my lovely wife, and we rented a car, and it was the most expensive thing we paid for an entire honeymoon. It was ridiculous just to drive around a little bit in the car and have like the, 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 the freedom to do so. It cost us so much money. Literally all of our credit card points we had spent years accruing for our honeymoon went to the car. Turo is not like that. It's far more affordable, and you get to pick and choose the car you want. You're not just going to be saddled with whatever the rental agency gives you. Instead, you can get a booking for an SUV or a minivan if you're going on a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, holiday, honeymoon perhaps. Or you can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just got to get from A to B. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on as well to see how it might fit into your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. That is wonderful service. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. That's T-U-R-O.com. And today's show is also brought to you by our dear pals over at Built Bar, who they've been around on this podcast for a very long time. And you know they're delicious. They're healthy. They make it seem like you're being indulgent when, in fact, you're having something that's good for you that's going to give you fuel, protein, all the good stuff to get through your day while also tasting absolutely delicious. And you got to try out their reimagined flavors. They got the cookie dough topper, the coconut brownie bar, and the coconut brownie topper, among a whole bunch of other wonderful things. It's also the holidays. And they're experimenting with new peppermint-flavored things, such as their granola. They got chocolate peppermint, white chocolate peppermint granola, that is. It's a great take on the granola bar. It's more filling and still insanely tasty as well. They got candy cane brownie. They've got built puffs as well, which are marshmallowy delights. They got a whole host of things for you to check out. Maybe you have someone who works out in your life and they want to be fueled through their days. Get them a box of built bars. Put them in their stocking or something like that. It's a wonderful gift idea ahead of the holidays as well. Built. You gotta try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. That's the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Go get yourself some Built Bars. Alright, we continue our look back at the wonderful time that was the summer. Optimism abound, Katie. Everyone feeling good about the team and its direction before their 13-14 and 14 disjointed start. Uh, let's take a look at Fred Van Vliet, shall we? Uh... 
This is probably the one where things have gone the most awry, I would say. In the offseason, I think there was, at least for me, optimism that he was going to kind of assume a new role, which I do think for the most part has happened. Mm -hmm. I thought in that new role, kind of playing off of the creation of the Raptors' big wings, he was going to be like a 44% three-point shooter because of the quality and openness of the catch-and-shoot looks I figured he was going to get. I figured, hey, he's going to remain an excellent defender. He's probably going to have more energy for defense when he's not running every single possession. Not the case so far, Katie. It's been a rough year for Freddie, shooting 36% overall. He's shooting 32.6% uh, from three. The the defense, the on the point of attack defense has really slipped. If I told you in the summer, Katie, that Fred Van Vliet was going to be averaging 17 to go along with 6.4 assists, 3.5 boards, a steal, 1.7 steals, and all of those horrible shooting splits I just ran down, what would you have said? I would have said, like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. Um, and I think what has been wrong with him is pretty clear. Like, they're, they're pretty clear things to point to. I said this... Um, on Freddie Rivas's Confederacy of Dunks podcast yesterday. Mm -hmm. But I don't think this is some like existential problem for Fred Van Vliet. I think mm -hmm. he was very ill. I sure think, was. Yeah. <laughs> like very, very ill twice, it seems like. And maybe, you know, that takes a little longer to come back from because your conditioning is thrown off. Mm -hmm. I also... I don't, I'm like, should I give myself credit for being this like smart? But I probably wouldn't be. But I think now, um, I, there's something to be said for the jockeying. And I, we're going to talk about this later with, with Nick Nurse. And I think mm -hmm. this kind of falls on him, but the different shifts in role, like roles for the team and the sort of jockeying for positions and who is supposed to be where, when. And I think Fred has kind of taken that in stride pretty admirably. Mm -hmm. But it's obviously thrown things off for him, yeah, in a sense. Um, which I guess that is a little bit of a surprise just because of the kind of player, uh, leader we've seen him be for the team in the past, and like someone who seems you know fairly unflappable, able to really just like roll with the punches, fold kind of like new, fold like the bad things as well as the good things in and adjust his game from there accordingly. Mm -hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, maybe he hasn't been as quick to do that this season. Though I don't, again, I don't think it's some like existential, like, well, this is it for Fred. Situation. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like there is a very quick conclusion being jumped to by a lot of folks right now. And like, suggesting that fred is like isaiah thomas like where he just kind of like lost it immediately right i don't think that's what's happening here i think you're right he, he's been sick you know the minutes he played last season maybe that's bleeding into this year certainly you know he, he played a ton of minutes he was broken down at the back part of last season but you also get a whole off season to recoup and recover and you know recondition and all that stuff so i don't know how much stock i even put into what happened last year i guess it's all cumulative and it all matters but I do feel like there's a bounce back of some kind here coming for Fred at some point. You just don't forget how to be a 40% three-point shooter. You just don't forget how to do those things. Mm -hmm. And while maybe there's a little bit less athleticism popping off the screen, maybe he's not the guy who's going to get downhill and get to the rim a bunch of times. It's never really been his game anyway. He's always just been a fantastic shooter, and that's been the thing that's made him a viable five foot eleven dude playing high-level NBA minutes. You know, the, the shot I feel like 
has to come back at some point. Maybe I'm, you know, missing some signs that it's gone and will never come back the way it's been in the past. But the ease of his looks Mm -hmm. seems anecdotally, there's easier looks coming his way. Pascal is creating great looks for everybody right now. And it's bizarre that the three guys that he kind of passes to the most, OG, Fred, and Trent, are having such difficult seasons from outside. But it has to be, to me, like a weird small sample randomness that's going to course correct as the Raptors hopefully mm-hmm. play a little bit more time with their main guys, get some more you know, co- coalescing going on. And you can't wait for that all season long. At some point, you have to just sort of look at what's happened and say, hey, this is just the reality now. But I don't think we're at that point yet. Mm-hmm. What's your... You know, the thing that's difficult with this is Fred is at an important juncture in his contract and his career with the Raptors, right? Like this season is about the Raptors figuring out, okay, who are the guys that we're going to go to war with in the Pascal, Peak, Scotty Barnes, you know, rising era. And Fred, I think, is very much a question as to whether that's going to be a thing or not. I still think... If you have Fred VanVleet as your fourth best player, you're in a pretty good spot. But mm-hmm. have you wavered or felt any sort of uncertainty about the viability of Fred VanVleet with the Raptors as sort of like a long-term member of this core based on this start so far this year? No, um, because I'm fairly pragmatic when it comes mm-hmm. to basketball. Uh, and also because I think you can't really discount, and I know people hate this, but you can't really discount institutional knowledge. In yep. uh, an athlete, and I think you know you do have that in Pascal and OG, but you have that much differently mm-hmm. uh, in Fred. Like sometimes, yeah, okay, the numbers suck right now; they're very bleak. However, mm-hmm. the organization of the team, like we've talked about this before, like I really do think there's not enough knowledge through like the growing roster mm-hmm. for things to not look super scattershot and a little bit just like out of hand if you Mm -hmm. don't have Fred out there. Mm -hmm. The argument would be, well, if you just got another pretty well storied point guard in in exchange, would would that solve the problem? But I also think no. Because also like that's not, those aren't really players that are always like up for grabs. You know what I mean? Like teams hang on to those guys for a reason um, because they're kind of like the steering mechanism for the team going pretty analogy heavy, but what can Fred you do? Fred for Kyle, Fred for <laughs> Kyle, fire up the trade machine. Let's I mean, uh, sure, get his like, institutional me, knowledge sure, back. But, but, um, <laughs> no, I like, I really, I really do think some of this is probably just difficulty in yielding. Like we think, okay, like these guys are the longest tenured players on the team. Fred, mm-hmm. Pascal, OG, um, they wouldn't really get, like flustered or they Mm -hmm. wouldn't really need to adjust as like new guys come in and kind of like vie and opt for their minutes Mm -hmm. and their looks. But that does factor into it, especially as you mentioned, like it's there's contract questions, right? Yeah. In, in, in the works for like, not just Fred, but for like a lot of the, the, the guys that you were like, we're, this is who we're building the team around. Mm -hmm. So that's hanging over. Like that's like a specter hanging over the room too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just like compounds and adds pressure. So when you're already feeling bad because like Fred is a pretty, like Fred's aware <laughs> of the numbers he's putting up. He's mm-hmm. like probably one of the most self-aware guys in the NBA, I would say, not just on the Raptors. So when mm-hmm. you have this other factor, like other stressful factor factoring in and like com- compounding of that stress, sometimes that just makes things worse. 
Yeah, there's a human element to yeah. uh, sports that never gets talked about, which probably should on account of all of the players are humans. Uh... <laughs> and I would also just say, like, the trust, obviously, that uh, Masai uh, yeah. and Nick Nurse and, like, the front office have in someone like Fred and have sort of mm -hmm. said to him, like, I'm sure, like, there's so many, con like, there's the thing to always remember, like, a huge grain of salt. There are so many conversations and things going on in the background you do not know about. 100%. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, maybe there isn't any worry there because maybe he's had conversations with them through his agent and, you know, that they've all like sat down and been like, oh, okay, like slumps yeah. are going to happen, but you know, we're with you. We don't know. Like we, so I think it's just like, you can save yourself a lot of like mental gymnastics <laughs> <laughs> if you just take a breather every now and then and realize that, that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, admitting that we don't know ninety percent of what's going on is, I guess it uh, is usually the a pretty good place to start. This but. podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> um, to get back to the theme of this episode, you know, in the summer, mm -hmm. I think I would have been pretty steadfast. Yeah, you extend Fred. Like I was calling to extend Fred in the summer. Like this happened on this very podcast. Uh, it didn't happen because of cap you know machinations or whatever because mm -hmm. the, the cap's going up and stuff and fred wants to wait and hold out and that's totally fair um the the thing i will concede is that i, I didn't give much room for the idea of fred not being on the next great raptors team in the mm -hmm. off season i will now admit that there's an outcome in which fred is maybe like the damar of this era where maybe he is moved on before the team kind of moves into contention. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I've mm -hmm. accepted that that is a potential outcome in a way that I probably wouldn't have in the summer. But, you know, the results so far have been pretty grim. And if they continue and this is a full season thing, then, yeah, you, you have to start to ask some serious questions. I'm also on the side of things where I don't think it's going to continue all season long and there will be a bounce back of sorts. Is he going to be all-star Fred from last year ever again? I doubt it, but the Raptors don't need him to be that player and I think he can totally fill the role he's needed to fill on this team and get back to that spot if he doesn't then yeah then maybe there's a world in which he is not on this team beyond this year and that would be very sad because Fred Van Vliet's a, a very likable and easy to root for guy and it would be a little uh you know just, just icky to to sort of continue on without him but I, I've opened my my mind to the possibility that that could happen in a way I didn't maybe four months ago mm -hmm. um with that, Katie, let's continue on. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes, Nick Nurse, run through other quick couple quick hitters as well as we continue our look back at the summer before we round this out. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, the number one place for sports betting, info, stats, analysis, injury reports, a whole nine yards. It's there for you. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. Uh, as we record this, just a few hours from Morocco, taking down France. It's going to happen, baby. Uh, you can put money on that as well at BetOnline if you would like. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're going to make you the informed wagerer so you're not just throwing your money indiscriminately at stuff. You're actually betting on things that could earn you some scratch. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about online is where the game starts this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the heat led by lebron james and Dwayne wade in 2011 dirk nowitzki won an nba title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we round out the show here with Katie Heindel, looking back at the summer and our preseason predictions and how they have been satisfied or not to this point this year. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes, Katie. Uh, not... A banner start for him so far this year. 14 points a game, seven boards. The assists are up 4.6. That's nice to see uh, to just 2.4 turnovers. So, you know, some positive silver linings, I would say. But overall, it's felt a little bit weird. It's felt like he hasn't really known his role and he has seen his efficiency, you know, drop down. The three point shooting is up a tad, not, you know, totally in a very in a notable way. It's up a little bit. He's eager to put him up. That's nice to see. But overall, you know, I think there were a lot of people expecting Scotty Barnes to walk in and by the end of the season kind of, you know, cement himself as the second best player on the Raptors behind Pascal. That doesn't seem to be happening right now. I also think, I wrote this, there, there was a lot of potential for Scotty to come into the year and struggle early on and ease into the season as he was adjusting to the adjustments the league made to him last year uh where are you at katie had i told you in the summer scotty was going to you know be at 14 7 and four and a half and you know struggling with his efficiency not to mention his defense really really struggling particularly on the perimeter no improvement there probably a regression there for being honest what would you have said i mean to not blatantly lie to you it, i would have <laughs> i still probably would have been surprised i think yeah. even though i tried to temper my expectations for somebody like Scotty Barnes going into his second season, just given the like phenomenal continually expectations shattering first rookie season that he had. Sure. Um, I still would have been surprised granted uh, where he's at right now. I would have probably looked at like, this is a still very small sample size. You've got disruptions in the rotation. Um, I think he is an athlete as his style of play and also like, you know, as someone who's in his second season in the NBA, who continuity counts a lot for, and he hasn't really had the continuity of a set roster around him uh, to play off of. I think also when you look at the responsibility, specifically the defensive responsibility he's been asked to take on and that like, that's what nurse is going after him about. Right. Mm -hmm. um, when I look at his numbers though, they're like the dips, the dips are surprising, just given what his production was last season. Mm -hmm. I think his defensive rebounds are up now compared to his offensive rebounds. That yep. to me, it's like a small notch, but like it is an improvement and it's mm -hmm. something different than he was doing last season. I think in any athlete's career, especially like a budding career like this, there's going to be periods where they've got to take all this knowledge that they're getting and mm -hmm. like, learning in real time because you don't like there's not long stretches in a season you know you maybe have like two games off you do some training and then you're back out on the floor so it's like there's not a lot of time basically mm -hmm. to reconcile 
all these learnings and then like adjust on the fly, especially when you're a young player. So this to me makes sense in terms of where he is. Um, but yeah, I would have been surprised if you gave me these numbers in like the beautiful heydays of the summer when I was eating <laughs> Ontario peaches, you know, had a lot of vitamin D exposure and was generally like feeling quite optimistic in general. Yeah, I think you I, you, I would be disappointed, I think, if you showed me Scotty's line and sort of showed me the stories and the sort of breakdowns of his shortcomings defensively. I, I think I would have been a little bit disappointed in the offseason for sure. Mm -hmm. I still don't think I would have been dissuaded from thinking Scotty Barnes is going to develop into something pretty special. And I still think that today, um, you know, I don't know, it, your mileage may vary as to like, you know, what you think he can evolve into at, at this point. Have Has the first 25 or so games actually changed that? I, I don't think that's really a smart thing to, you know, change your outlook on a guy based on 25 games in his second season when he's 21. But mm -hmm. I understand, you know, these things, you know, you look at a guy like Ja Morant or Luka Doncic and becoming superstars in year two, and it's like, oh, why is our guy not doing that? It doesn't happen the same for everybody. And I still think... The elements are there. The ability to get to wherever he wants on the floor with his dribble, with his post-up game, with whatever, that's still there. The ability to survey the floor and make incredible reads and throw passes that you know other players don't even realize are there, that's still there. You can't even teach that. That's just something that's innate to Scotty Barnes that's going to serve him well. You know, the defense I am a little bit concerned about as to, like, can you, you know, turn him into an actually effective meaningful perimeter defender because right now that ain't it and he's got a lot of you know growing to do in that department and so maybe that kind of lowers his ceiling a little bit if you think his maybe just his physical constitution is not going to allow him to be a good defender also he's six foot nine and really strong so he probably should be a really good defender at some point and and, and so yeah would have been disappointed in the start for sure but i don't think it would have you know turned me off of my pretty bullish take on where scotty is going to ultimately end up mm -hmm. it just might take longer than we thought and that's also fine you know these guys aren't finished products day one and they're not finished products in year seven it's a constant sort of growing thing with these guys any last thoughts on scotty before we quickly hit on nick nurse let's not talk about people as finished products yeah, I think that is a uh, pretty good way to live, Katie. Uh, let's go to Nick Nurse real quick to round this out. Uh, what were your expectations for him coming into the year? Obviously, this is like the most ethereal of all the things we've talked about, because how the hell do you have expectations for a coach? But I guess had I told you in the summer that Nick, Nick Nurse was going to call out a few of his notable players like Gary Trent Jr. I think Scotty Barnes got a call out at some point this year too. And I told you he was going to keep on running the same defense despite it being 21st in points allowed per play per cleaning the glass over the course of the first third of the season. Had I told you that the offense was going to still kind of be not super innovative and very just kind of dependent on Pascal doing stuff, would you have been disappointed in Nick Nurse's hypothetical performance in the summer? I mean, the call-out stuff wouldn't have been surprising because that's become... That's just what he card. does, baby! Like, I don't... <laughs> which is, like, that's its own thing to talk about, but I don't yeah. necessarily agree with uh, all the time. Sure. Um, and, admittedly, is it the best thing to be known for? Probably not, Abstractly. like, what you want, like, yeah. first on your CV, <laughs> no? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of just, like, sticking to it, 
that also doesn't seem a big deviation from mm-hmm. the schemes in the past. I know that they, you know, they've said like, we believe in this team. We believe in what we're doing. There is a point when you are like, yeah, as you said earlier, like the shots are going to fall. Maybe the, the defense is going to click. You have to sometimes just like keep pushing these things in order for them to work in order to say like, we didn't back off too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, though, and this is tough because like, Nick Nurse has expressed his frustrations about this as well, just being shorthanded. It's tough to be creative, and he is known mm-hmm. as a creative coach, but it is still tough to be creative when you are show, so shorthanded night yeah. after night, and you don't really, like, you have a bench, but it's pretty piecemeal to speak of. The substitutions, like, aren't necessarily meaningful, or they're going to, like, help things in big ways. Maybe sticking to schemes in that sense is just going to be a lot easier on the people you do have available Mm -hmm. to you because you're not throwing at them like, Oh, we're going to try like this whole new overhaul. It's like, you know what? We're in a pretty bad period right now with injuries. Um, Let's just like stick to what we know. We'll just like make one thing less difficult for the team. So in that sense, if that is how they're approaching it, I do understand it. Um, But I like, I think there's a problem, a little problem in saying everything that you just said to me, if you said to me in the summer, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Mm-hmm. You know, like take from that what you will. Yeah. To not be surprised by one's stubbornness is, uh, you know, maybe not ideal. Look, I know there's a lot of like fire nurse talk out there. I think that's <laughs> insanely there... premium. Yeah. Oh, Have I you seen, seen the YouTube no. comments, Katie? Oh my God. No, I never look uh, at the comments because they're always just like, what a miserable woman. So no, yeah. I don't look at comments anymore. Yeah, uh, stop being uh, asses <laughs> to Katie in the comments. How about that? I don't that? just mean me. It's uh, just like any woman on any podcast, I don't mm-hmm. have to look at the comments. Yeah, that's a completely fair and a smart business decision, I would say. Uh, either way, don't be an ass in the comments. That's pretty easy. Uh, I feel like that's obvious. But back to the point. Uh, yeah, I, I think Nurse has maybe not done what you want to see. Mm-hmm. He's not been quite as innovative as you'd hope. He has been sort of, I think, handcuffed a little bit by the lack of availability of guys. And again, maybe that's of his own doing, right? He plays this very intense style that, you know, at, over some time here, the guys get hurt on this team. That's just part of the deal. And, you know, it's it's not totally fair to say it's because Nick Nurse plays this style. Things happen. Pascal Siakam slips on a floor. That's not Nick Nurse's fault. He had nothing to do with that. But, you know, I, I do think it's something where it's worth not monitoring and worth critiquing. And I still think he has the capacity to evolve and to change things and make the adjustments on the fly. This is a guy who's known for adjustments in game. There's no reason why he can't make them over the course of a season. Um, if he doesn't, and we're still talking about the way they're playing, kind of being rigid in the same way come season's end, then maybe it's a little bit more of a, of a question. But that said, the way they play, when they do it right, when things are working harmoniously, they're a buzzsaw of a basketball team. And so I understand why Nurse would be sort of chasing that dragon, as it were, with the way the team plays. Because when the dragon comes out, uh, they go on 14-0 runs and don't allow points for six minutes at a time. It's and it's a pretty impressive thing. It doesn't have to be one meeting, Katie. Things can mean multiple things. It's fine. Okay. Uh <laughs> We're 
going to wrap it there before Katie Can calls I actually out just any say more one, of my analogies. Yes. You, this is actually my biggest surprise from the summer. Like it, it yeah. has nothing to do with anything we've talked about, but like, where is Otto Porter Jr.? Like I know where he is, but like, if you asked me in the summer, like that was what I was almost most excited about. Where, oh, where, oh, where is Otto? <laughs> like to where, have oh, where is, where is Otto? Him be a part where, of oh, Where, oh, where, oh, where is Otto? <laughs> Where could Otto be? That was a good Bear in the Big Blue House, house reference Beautiful. to close out the show. We'll round it there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Katie, anything you want to promote? No, oh, man. Oh, okay. I guess uh, keep your eyes peeled on time. I'll have something, hopefully, that will cheer up Raptors fans uh, at the end of this week. We love it. Yay! Uh, also, Basketball Feelings. It's great. Uh, subscribe to it. You're, you're a fool if you don't. You're also a fool if you don't subscribe to Lockdown Raptors on YouTube. I feel punchy today. Uh, I'm not going to punch anyone. Don't worry. But please, subscribe on YouTube. Support the show. That way, uh, you know, comment. Do nice things. Be nice in the comments, etc., etc. Uh, you can go and subscribe to the podcast in audio form on all the, YouTube, on all the different apps as well. Not on YouTube. That's video. Duh. Uh, and you can go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown Leafs, as our pals Mike and Dave doing a great job covering the Leafs as they continue to be awesome in the Eastern Conference this year. So go check it out and we'll be back again tomorrow with jamar hines to break down raptors kings thanks so much everybody Bye bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today Thank you.